again. I hope you'll follow with me as I read again Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. This is a very, very familiar passage of Scripture. And although the words are on the overhead, I hope that you'll turn in your Bible. Uh, I truly believe that because this is the Word of God, it is alive. And when we give God a hearing, even if we've studied the passage of Scripture many times before, that God will speak to our hearts again. So please open your Bible to this passage of Scripture and follow along. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. And lifting up their voices and said, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then said Jesus, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give thanks to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Some of the greatest lessons I have learned and some of the most inspirational people I have met have been at the extended care unit of Person County Memorial Hospital. Now, that's not a place that you really want to go. If you have a loved one there, you know that that means that they're very critically ill most times, although they do have some rehab beds there where people can take physical therapy. But on a whole, what is been called the annex over the years as a place where people go basically to live the rest of their life, hopefully comforted, taken care of, and then they die. And that might not sound like a place of inspiration to you, but folks, over the years, and I'm not patting myself on the back for having been by there often, but over the years, I've met people who were either a husband or wife or parents who daily or multiple times each day would go by the extended care and care for a sick or aging loved one. And folks, there's something that I found out about these folks that would go and visit their loved ones. They had something in common. They daily praised the Lord. And that praise for God was something that was in their heart that led them to love others. And folks, here's one of the points that I want to make this morning. When there is absence of praise of God in our life, I believe also there is absence of the love of God to touch other people's lives. When there is praise and thanksgiving in our hearts, we're going to love those that are around us. And a heart full of praise cultivates a heart full of love. And a heart full of love always focuses our attention on someone else. But folks, I don't want to just talk about people that have died that I've seen up at the Annex. This past week, I was reminded again by some of the patients. Just because we are facing difficult times does not mean we have to stop loving others and praising God. 
And I'm not going to name any names today. Many of you will know who I'm talking about. But there's a lady that you can hear down the hall. If somebody stops by to see her, she'll say, I love you, darling, especially to her husband. When she sees him walking down the hall, I love you, darling. And if you go by and just speak to her, she'll say, I love you, darling. And as you leave, she'll say, thank you. And this past week, I had the opportunity to step into a room of an elderly black lady. And she's always been a blessing because I've never heard her complain. I don't know how many years that she's been there. And as I talked with her, she told me how she was feeling. But then she said, I just keep thanking and praising the Lord for each new day. Now, folks, I've mentioned the annex And you might say, well, that doesn't have anything to do with Luke 17. But, folks, I've mentioned this to ask you and I a question. Are you and I people of praise and thanksgiving of our Lord? Warren Wiersbe wrote, no matter how dark the days or how painful the memories, we can always praise the Lord. Could I have an amen to that? But so often when our days aren't dark and our memories aren't painful, do we give God a lot of praise. Folks, has there ever been a passage of Scripture that you have used your imagination to be a part of? Let me, let me try and point out. I've always thought about when Moses led uh, those at least 600,000 people out of Egypt and they came to Mount Sinai and God began to reveal himself through the thunder and lightning and the smoke on the mountain. Wouldn't you just love to have been there? and beheld the very presence and, and, and power of God? Wouldn't you just have loved to have been there? These people had heard for over 400 years by their forefathers about this great and awesome God, and they meet him. And they're slaves. They've been in captivity for many generations, for over 400 years, and here is this almighty creator God who is coming to them and revealing himself. That's one of those passages I'd love to be there. You know what? I hope I'm here when I hear the trumpet blow and the Spirit of God says to the church of Jesus Christ, come on up to heaven. And sometimes I hope it's getting sooner and sooner, but that's a whole nother passage of Scripture. But folks, use your imagination this morning. Just be a part of these ten lepers. And if you or I had been one of the ten lepers healed which group would you and I be a part of? Again, I'm asking you to be honest. You don't have to speak out loud. But would you and I have been part of the nine that ran away, mentioning no praise to God and no thanksgiving to Jesus? Or would we have been like that one leper in verse 15 and 16? One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. Now listen to what he does here. He turns back. He praises God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And here's another question. Yesterday, last week, last month, this year, which group do we identify with? This song, I didn't know the praise and worship choir was going to sing this song, but folks, I think it's very important for us to hear these words, redeemed. 
Folks, as the redeemed people of God, we need to be a people that praise the Father and thank the Lord Jesus Christ each and every day. And I'm not saying that you don't. I don't mean it that way. But have you and I lost the, the attitude of being grateful for, to God for all that is done? And let me point something out that I hope will help us fully understand what is going on in chapter 17 of Luke. As we have studied Luke's gospel on Wednesday night, we found out in chapter 17, Jesus is teaching his disciples about the essentials of Christian living, how he wanted his disciples to live after he had gone back to the Father. And folks, there are at least, there are at least four lessons to be learned in Luke 17, in verses 1 through 6, the lesson of forgiveness. Our Lord wants you and I to be people who forgive others as his followers. Secondly, he wants us to be people that are faithful. Thirdly, in chapter 17, he wants us to be people that are thankful. And I want to mention the fourth thing, he wants us to be people that are prepared And folks, I believe at least four aspects and practices of the Christian walk is what the Lord wants us to do as we await the return of the Lord for us and for the church. But folks, can we truly say we have a thankful attitude? Now, let's be honest. And folks, I find myself, I gripe all the time. You know, I I appreciate y'all putting up with me some days. If you're around me and I'm in those really weak moments and I'm feeling sorry for myself and I'm griping, Please forgive me. You know, there's so much more that I I have to be thankful for and some of the trivial things that I'm upset about. And the plan of life is not going to mean a cotton-picking thing. Do you have that trouble? But if we begin to center in, hone in on those things that we need to be thankful for, it gives us a whole new perspective about living, doesn't it? So let's look quickly at this passage of Scripture. Verse 11 Luke tells us that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Folks, there's something that you and I must never, ever forget about the Lord Jesus Christ. His life was a mission, a mission from God the Father, a mission to benefit you and I and the entire world and every human being. Jesus' mission was to be focused on his death, burial, and resurrection at Jerusalem. Folks, I just want to read these verses. Just look at these. They're going to be on the overhead. A little bit later, uh, Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells his 12 disciples these words. And taking the 12, he said to them, Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem. This is why, and and especially in the gospel of, of Luke, there is a transitional period where everything in Jesus' life and ministry focused on his going to Jerusalem. And Luke wants us to know that now Jesus is headed toward the cross, okay? But on his way, he stops for these 10 lepers. But let me get back to Luke 18. Taking the 12, he said to them, Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written of the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. Don't throw away the Old Testament. They speak about what Jesus would do. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles. He will be mocked, shamefully treated, and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. Praise God. That's the gospel. And folks, Jesus knew this is where his mission was headed, his destiny. But Luke tells us that as Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus 
although he knows that the cross is before him, never refuses an opportunity to help and minister to others. And folks, you and I need to heed this warning. And I'm saying this especially to myself. Never become so busy with the things of life that we lose an opportunity to help someone else. Jesus knew where he was headed. But folks, he is entering a village and there he is met by ten lepers. And again, you know this story as well as other stories about leprosy. But let me again remind you about leprosy. Leprosy was perhaps the most dreaded disease of of biblical times, especially for those who were people of vanity. You know, it was a skin disease that caused rottening sores that steadily progressed to get worse and worse. And there was no no known cure. It was very painful. And it was rare for the disease to wear itself out. It was healed most often by an act of God because, again, there was no natural or man-made cure. And by some, leprosy was considered as an emblem of sin. The lepers had to isolate themselves in villages and camps made up only of people with leprosy. So lepers were separated from their family and neighbors and society and work and worship. And folks, there's something else we're told in this story. One of these lepers, one out of the ten, is the Samaritan. Now, you remember, as we studied about the woman at the well, we talked about how the Jews hated Samaritans. So one man is Samaritan, apparently the rest, the other nine are Jews. But when you are suffering or dying, all racial and social prejudices are laid aside. And so these men have been separated from their family, from their friends, from their culture, And they're together in a leper village. But these men apparently heard that Jesus was coming through. And in verse 13, they lift up their voices. Folks, had they heard about the healing power of Jesus? So often, even though we know that there was so much anger toward Jesus by others and animosity, word about Jesus spread throughout that area. His healings, his teachings were widespread. And these ten lepers knew Jesus by name. Jesus, they cry out, and then they call him master. And it's a very unique Greek word there because that word means chief commander. And what they're saying about Jesus here, they had heard that Jesus was in command of disease and death. And let me give you a couple of examples. If you go back to Luke chapter 5, Jesus heals a man with leprosy. If you go back to Luke chapter 7, the widow whose son in name has died, Jesus raises him from the dead. So even in the leper villages, they had heard about this man, Jesus. And these ten lepers hear that Jesus is coming into their territory, and they cry out to him, have mercy, have mercy on us. It is a cry for help. And the lepers are saying, we've been abandoned by everybody else, Jesus. Would you love us enough to heal us? And in verse 14, and I think this verse is very important because Jesus is going to go by Old Testament instructions. In Leviticus chapter 14, verse 2 and following, people who had been cleansed of leprosy were told to go and show themselves to the priest. And Jesus here, 
Jesus says to them, go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, let me point something out. It's not because Jesus did not want to touch them. Because you see, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus touches the man with leprosy. How long had it been since that man been touched by another human hand? We do not know. But folks, Jesus knows that they want to be healed so bad that he simply says, go show yourself to the priest. And basically what he is saying, you're, you're cleansed. You see, Jesus only had to speak, and it happened just like that. There are examples throughout the gospel where Jesus simply speaks. Folks, you and I need to hear this about our God. All he has to do is speak. I'm not going to get off on this, but I get upset sometimes when people try and explain to me how the world came into existence. Well, the word of God says God spoke, and it happened. Let there be light. And in the Hebrew, it says light be. That's all it takes. All it takes is for the Lord Jesus Christ to speak. He spoke and these men were healed. Well, folks, as they are going to the priest in verse 15, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. He turned back. Folks, listen. I'm not trying to be ugly toward these other nine. I'm sure that they could not wait to be declared clean so that they could go back home and see their families. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the men who wanted to see their wives or the grandfathers who wanted to see their grandchildren or members of of a large family who simply wanted to go back and have a Thanksgiving meal and say, I'm cleansed, I'm healed or even to go back to the synagogue and worship. So you can't fault them for making a beeline to the priest. But there's this man who sees that he's healed, and he knows who has healed him. It is Jesus of Nazareth. Folks, I wonder if he didn't run back to Jesus. And folks, look at this verse, the latter part of verse 15. He turned back, praising God with a loud voice. What do you think that means? (laughs) I'm in front of this microphone, so I, I better not yell out like I think. We don't know how long he'd had, uh, he'd had leprosy. You know, I believe that these 10 men could have made more noise than the 60,000 fans and what's the name of that? The stadium in Chapel Hill, Finley Carter. No, that's Carter's the one that stayed, isn't it? But all those people erupt when the touchdown scores. Can you imagine the excitement in these 10 men? They didn't score a touchdown, but they got healed of a disease that they thought they'd die with. And there's nobody else that could heal them except this man, Jesus of Nazareth. And here's this man, and I believe, I love what the Living Bible says. He said with a loud voice, glory to God, I'm healed. When's the last time we said glory to God? When's the last time we heard somebody say glory to God and we didn't make fun of them in our spirit? Maybe we didn't say it with our mouth. You know, we're guilty of that as Christians, aren't we? I am. If you hear somebody get to testifying and giving God the glory, we say, well, man, they're just a show off or a blowhard, aren't they? I tell you one thing, I think the Lord wants us to say more in giving him glory and thanks than we're doing. Would you agree with that? We need to stop being silent about the Savior who has healed us, not of leprosy of skin, but leprosy of sin in our hearts.
That's not in the note. That sounded pretty good, didn't it? Leprosy is... This man in verse 16 fell on his face at Jesus' feet. You know what that is a posture of? It's a posture of worship. He fell on his face. And listen to what, what he does. Now he's praising God the Father with a loud voice, and now he is giving Jesus thanks. You know, I never really recognized until this week that his praise is going in both directions, God the Father, God the Son. Why is this man giving God the Father and the Lord thanks? Let me give you three reasons. Number one, I believe, because in the providence of God, God sent his Son into their area. Do we thank God enough for sending his Son into the area of our life? Do we thank God enough for sending us into a Christian home if you were born into a Christian home? Do we thank God for sending us into an area where someone would come by and knock on our door, invite us to church, tell us about the good news of Jesus Christ? It was in the providence of God that Jesus made this journey to where those folks were at. Number two is the love of Jesus that caused him to pay attention to all ten lepers and their needs. And it is thirdly the grace and power of Jesus that brought about their healing. And folk, Luke tells us that this man is Samaritan. Why does he do this? Number one, he wants us to know that Jesus loved everyone and refused no one. But I think secondly, these other nine men are Jews. They should have been the first to praise God and to thank Jesus, but they didn't. Folks, you know who ought to be the first to praise God in our time and in our society? It should be the church of Jesus Christ. We should be people of praise and thanksgiving. And folks, in verse 17 and 18, Jesus is not putting this Samaritan down, but he is struck that only one out of ten gave praise to God. And Jesus wants us all to praise the Father. And Jesus asked the question, where are the nine? These other nine people were equally healed and loved by Jesus as this one Samaritan who returned to give thanks and praise. And then Jesus in verse 19 says to this man kneeling before him, your faith has made you well. But I want to point something out. Literally translated, that phrase means your faith has saved you. And again, from studying the Gospel of Luke on Wednesday nights, back in Luke chapter 7, there's a story of Jesus going to a Pharisee's house for supper, and a woman who is the greatest sinner of the city comes in and begins to, he, uh, to anoint Jesus and wash his feet. And the people at the supper get all bent out of shape. And they think to themselves, if Jesus knew who this great sinner was doing all this, he would be offended. Jesus, in that passage of Scripture, uses the same phrase and says, your faith has saved you. And folks, listen to this. Not only had this man been healed of leprosy, but had been declared saved by the Son of God. 
And this man got more than physical healing. He received eternal salvation. Folks, here's what I'm trying to say this morning. How often do you and I take our blessings for granted and fail to thank the Lord? Please take this to heart. I'm not just trying to have a sermon this morning. Too often, we are content to enjoy the gift, but we forget the giver. Amen? Every gift comes from God. We're quick to pray for our needs, but slow to praise God who is the provider. Let me challenge and encourage you and I this week, number one, to develop an attitude of praise and thanksgiving to God. Why? And please listen to this. An attitude of praise and thanksgiving opens our hearts and lives for God to do more. Do you think that Jesus just wanted to heal those ten men of leprosy or that he wanted to heal them and also to save them? How many were saved that day? I believe only that one. Those other men got so caught up in being healed of leprosy, they didn't see the need of a healing of their soul. Folks, this man who demonstrated praise and worship opened his heart and his life for Jesus to do even more. And I think that perhaps here's one of the principles here. Jesus wants us, Jesus wants to do more for us, but we shut him out when we don't praise him and we thank him. Folks, thanking him and praising him opens the door for the Lord to do even more in our lives and in our church, and in our families, and in our marriage. I'm going to ask you to do something or to consider doing something Thursday. And perhaps some of you already do it. But Thanksgiving Day, when you get ready to have your lunch or dinner, whatever your tradition is, as a family, as a gathering, would you have a testimony time before the meal? Now, I know y'all are going to say, well, that sounds stupid to me. I hope you don't. Would you be willing to stand or to sit and speak about the blessings that God has given you this year? And men and fathers and grandfathers, will you take the lead? Will you be willing in an unashamed way to say, here's some of the ways that God has blessed me this year, and here's some of the ways that I see that God has blessed us. And I know that some of you gather in large groups. Would you be willing to do that? Folks, it is time that the people of God praised God for all that he has done for us. And let us go beyond thirsty. In our day-to-day living, would we humbly and obediently give God praise? Folks, there's something that I see, and it's kind of like a, a cycle that goes on here. When we begin to praise God, we love God more. When we love God more, we witness for God more. When we love God and witness for God, more blessings are poured into our life. Folks, we open our lives in a greater way for God to bless us. So here's what I want to finish with. Are we a part of the nine? Or would we be like that Samaritan? Would we fall on our face 
at Jesus' feet and give him thanks. Let us pray. Father, you know our hearts. Lord, I pray that if there is the absence of praise and thanksgiving for you, Lord, that, Lord, you'll wake us up. You are doing and have done and are going to do so much for us. Father, so often we forget. Perhaps it's been many years ago that we called upon you in sincerity and in repentance of sin and said, Father, save me, and you did that. Lord, I pray that we not be like the nine men that have walked away from you. We know that our name is written in the Lamb's book of life, and one day we'll wind up in heaven. But during the rest of our lives, we just want to kind of calmly go through it and be religious when we have to and not when we don't need to. Lord, I pray that you would convict us of our need to be people of praise and thanksgiving so that it will open our lives up for you to do more in and through us and so that our lives can be a greater witness for you. Father, today I thank you for that man who turned back and who fell on his face before you and said thanks. Lord, may we do the same. In Jesus' name, amen.